This is The Stack. I'm Josh. I'm here with Andy. We are your, your hosts for The Stack Podcast. Hello, Andy. Hi, Josh. How are you doing? I'm all right. How are you? You are I'm hanging in somewhere. There. Yeah. You are somewhere in America right now, and I am somewhere in Asia right now. Actually, I'll say I'm in Chengdu right now, but you're somewhere in America right now, right? Can you uh, tell us tell us a, about yourself? Yeah, sure. I'm uh, here in uh, sunny and snowy New England. Got a little bit of uh, snow the day before Halloween, uh, which is always kind of a w- nice once in a decade treat. Um, obviously, no no trick or treating this year, given the uh, coronavirus situation, which I know we've both been in deep on uh, for a little bit longer than uh, everybody else. I I happen to have been in China when. It all went started to go down um, and have some connections to Wuhan, so it's been on my radar since like December thirty first. But yeah, I mean, um, so my background, you know, like yourself, have been uh, involved in Asia and lived in Asia for for some time. Will be uh, back living in Asia in uh, in Hong Kong in um, sometime, hopefully in the next few weeks. Uh, definitely within a month, I'm hoping so. Um, yeah, that's it. Uh, you know, I think, um, you know, very excited about the region and everything and have been for a long time. Looking forward to hearing more about your experiences in Chengdu, which, in my opinion, is one of the, you know, actually nicest cities in the country, um, more livable, at least than than some of the others. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's a good deal more relaxed than the East Coast, as I understand it. They have a, a, a yeah. they're, they're famous for for um, being too relaxed. In fact, I think here, not not caring oh, enough really? about money. As yeah, the the Chinese the the rest of China thinks that Chinese people are Chengdu people are too relaxed when it comes to making money. They don't care enough. Okay, you know, the money god. Um, yeah. yeah, the last it's, time it, last it, time I was in Chengdu. The um, uh, was not relaxing because I went to uh, visit the Israeli consulate. Um, and <laughs> that was like, uh, you know, I was I was coming in from Shanghai for work and, you know, g- g- like continuously called by their security people being like, you know, have you ever been to, a, you know, basically their litany of questions and everything um, that they do. And then, you know, go to wherever in the central business business district um and go up and get like uh you know really the full rogering by their security staff um and uh it was an interesting experience i think they have like seven people on staff but um uh, a lot of uh i I guess one of the largest investments from israel in in china is uh some of their chemicals manufacturing in in yunnan province and so that obviously Mm -hmm. you don't want to have necessarily a consulate in kunming so they uh got set up there but i remember the one thing the consular said was um you know he was he had lived in shanghai before but his wife never had and he was glad that she hadn't so she didn't know what she was missing with the uh, cosmopolitanism <laughs> there so uh yeah that was an interesting experience oh yeah uh actually i suppose i should say that that um the other thing that might be germane to our podcast is is that Chengdu is the um, crypto capital of the world because of uh because of the rainy season here and hydroelectric in in Chengdu, we put oh, out right. something something on the order of of more than half of the entire world's hash rate comes out of Chengdu. I think uh, I may be throwing out yeah. stupid numbers there, but it's it's some 
like it, you know, when the when the rainy season drops off, or if some if something happens in in Chengdu, then the in, the world's entire hash power drops by like fifty percent or more, possibly. So wow. that might uh, that's that's pretty germane to us as well. Okay, so well, I I, I am consistently impressed. Uh, not to step on you, but like by the ability of whether it's miners or hackers or whatever in the crypto space to just jump on whatever opportunity there is out there. And like the best yeah. example to me, it was before crypto was even on my radar. It was like um, there's a town in upstate New York, Plattsburgh, uh, which mm -hmm. is really the middle of nowhere, right on the border with Quebec. And the only thing to do there is for the university students to drive over the border and get drunk at 18. But it has, like, um, like you were describing, it has some like uh, hydroelectric related to Lake Champlain, and uh, electricity is provided in the town for free. And so right. all of these miners just got like you know got set up there right when crypto started booming, um, and you know the the town was like going crazy because they were losing power and <laughs> to these guys. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they, we get that in um, Chengdu as well, which is that the the government, uh, you know, even five years ago, it was it was uh, the case that that they were very down on crypto, I think, and then um, uh, you and you still can't, you still don't have the exchanges in in China. Obviously, I think you know that as well. But uh, as far mm. as I understand it, you can own personally, and it has been you know defended as property in court. Uh, and obviously, you know, as I said, that um, you you don't get the you don't get to be as big as the operation is here without you know having the support of the government. But they actually uh, they're subsidizing um, now subsidizing uh, crypto business in in uh, Chengdu. So you get your you get your hydroelectric power uh, quite cheap, right? Comparatively, okay. So. So, so let's move on then. Um, is that everything that you wanted to say about yourself? Anything else? For no, that's good. I, I realize I stepped on you, uh, you know, trying to get launched into our actual topics and everything. But, um, you know, always, always glad to meander. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's get into the topic. So the point of this podcast, the point of this podcast is supposed to be something like talking about um, technology that we love, uh, ideas that we love and things that also we think might be very important or ideas that we think might be very important for, you know, uh, for, for men to know about, let's say. One thing that we're going to talk about quite frequently is Urbit. We're going to talk about Urbit a lot. So I suppose that what we can say about our podcast is it's going to be extremely Urbit adjacent and uh, nobody uh, or those who don't know what Urbit is, we will be doing sort of a, an overview, not a technical, not a deeply technical thing, but a, a sort of an overview of what Urbit is, how we got into it, our brief history with Urbit, and um, then sort of talk about maybe what our future with Urbit is and, and Urbit's future. But before we do that, I have uh, something fun for us. I have something fun for us, which is that I'm going to put your feet to the fire, and uh, I'm going to put the stacks reputation, our name on the line, and we're going to call the <laughs> call the uh, presidential election because the presidential today, as we record this, it is what oct. Uh, sorry, actually, where I am, it's November first. I think it's still the thirty first. There for no, it's it's the first for you. No, it's November first. Morning at, of November first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
morning for you, evening for me. So we've got two days, right? Or two days early. So let's make a call. So what's your call? Who is going to be the president or who's going to win the presidency? I suppose I should say. Yeah, I, I, th I think um, that we're going to see a similar result as four years ago, which is going to be a, a Trump loss on the popular vote, um, but winning on the electoral college, which obviously is what matters. It's not about the number of yards you gain. It's it's the points on the board. Um, and, and my reason for this, and I would have given a very different answer probably a month and a half ago, but, you know, two things. One, uh, you know, Trump's uh, personal battle against the coronavirus, I think, freed us from a lot of fear. Um, and just the, the sheer positive energy out of his campaign, um, you know, going into the last couple of weeks, um, you know, it reminds me a lot of the energy four years ago. And you kind of wish that he had had that um, on the uh, governance front for that, you know, four years. But, you know, I, I think that compared to uh, Hyden Biden in his basement, it's just uh, psychologically a very, very different, different thing for people, people to see. So um, it, it's obviously irrelevant where I live, um, because it's a deep, deep blue area. But, um, you know, I, I, yeah, that's what I would stake it on is just uh, that sort of energy that's going through. But what do you think? Um, I think that uh, the polls are wrong again. My feeling is that the polls are, and I saw a poll today from the Times, which had Biden up by eleven points in Wisconsin, and I thought, mm -hmm. uh, "There's, there's no way, there's no way he's up by eleven in Wisconsin." And uh, I just yeah. don't think, I, I don't think that the polls are are accurate in the same way that I don't think that they are, they were last time. And uh, uh, I don't know. We saw, I, I, I've seen an article from Nate Silver, for instance. Um, you know, 538 fame, uh, in which he says that the the shy voter, the shy Trump voter is not a real phenomenon. But um, I think that you and I were talking about it. You said you live in a deep blue area and you said that there's a proxy, right? There's a proxy that you use for yeah. determining if, if someone's a, a Trump voter, if they don't have a Trump uh, sign out in the front yard. So tell it, what is the, what is sure. the proxy for Trump voters? Well, I mean, I, I think that what I what I have certainly noticed is uh, not where I live, which is, you know, a bluest of blue, dirty borough. Right, I think right, right, uh, Trump right. probably won about 10 percent of the vote um, four years ago. But, um, you know, you drive around parts of my state where it would have not quite been the opposite, but where he won, you know, significantly in, in some towns, you know, rural areas. And you see a handful of Harris Biden signs. A lot of back the blue pro police, you know, we support our law enforcement stuff. And, you know, I, I think that those those people are not ones who have abandoned Trump or anything. They just don't want to brick through their um, through their windows. So um, and look, I, I, I know that the shy Trump voter is accurate because I is one. Right. I mean, I've been right. asked by you know, neighbors, hey, have you voted? And, and there's a clear intention here. I mean, the, the, the neighborhood where I live in is, um, you know, pretty uh, formerly, I'd say, white ethnic Greek and Irish area, um, Greek and Italian. 
and um, you know you, the way that you can tell who has gentrified the neighborhood and who's the old stock is you know the old stock have Fatima statues in their front yard and the <laughs> the new ones have Black Lives Matter um, type things and you know sort of leave aside kind of opinions on BLM and everything. I mean I think that's you know clearly been the the zeitgeist. So you know I am not you know. Uh, really kind of one to then put my neck out on the line with what my political convictions might be. Uh, I do remember four years ago, I uh, was traveling for work on election day and got picked up at the airport. Um, you know, it, that was just like such a crazy time. It was not election day, it was the day afterwards. So Trump had won the day before. Um, and I get picked up at, at uh, the airport and um you know, tell the cab driver my address. He's not familiar. So he asked me to put it into Google Maps and I get the keyboard and it's like totally wrong. It's not uh, QWERTY or whatever. So I asked him, hey, what, what's the deal with that? And he's like, it's Arabic. Did you vote? And I, you know, I told <laughs> the truth. Did you vote yesterday? He said, and I told the truth. I said, no, because I had voted by absentee ballot much earlier. Um, mm -hmm. And actually I'd voted in a competitive state uh, in Georgia that year. Um, because that's where I had been living. Um, and uh, he's like, uh, good, I love Trump. <laughs> and, and his reason, of course, so he was Moroccan and he said, you know, you can't have a woman president, right? So it's, uh, there's, there's a wide variety. But I think that probably Trump, at least in 2016, from my experience with Uber and, and taxi drivers over that period is I think he probably won like 95% of their vote, uh, whether they're Eritrean, Ethiopian, Nigerian, this guy from Morocco, they all love Trump. Uh, so I don't know what that's all about, maybe because they're all kind of independent businessmen or something. Okay, so then my next question is, well, since I, I, I've, uh, I'm coming down on, on the side of Trump as well, the, the final question about this is, uh, what do you think the, uh, what, what's the margin for his electoral victory? You, you can just throw a number out there. Yeah. Um, I'm putting you I, on the I spot that now, it, really. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think it'll, it might be a little bit narrower. Um, you know, he, he could certainly lose uh, a Michigan or a, uh, a Wisconsin, one, one of those. Um, I think that Pennsylvania looks, looks pretty strong for him. I don't think that he will be able to turn a Minnesota, uh, which he might've had some, some hope for, although, you know, he is, he is campaigning there. So, um, I, I think, and I, I am not a student of the electoral college as say a Nate Silver is. Um, so I can't say exactly where that, where that puts him, but I, I think that he'll be there, maybe Arizona, he could lose too. And I think that still kind of allows him to, um, to get through there. I think, you know, I mean, the, the thing that we have to kind of keep in mind then is like, you know, there's going to be the same sort of controversy about the popular vote, um, you know, as before, but it's like, you know, I, I have, it, with the exception of the brief time that I lived in Georgia, I have always lived in deep blue states, um, yep. you know, and always voted there. I don't think I've like voted for a winning presidential candidate except for, except for that time. And so, you know, there's there's no reason for people in California who support Trump to vote. Right. I mean, it's just like a wasted hour or whatever it takes to do it. So um, I don't know. I, I think the other thing that we have to think about and it's, you know, kind of germane to the topic in the broad sense. But, you know, all of this, you know, 
early voting, the postal voting, and how much kind of that leads people to question the integrity of the system, um, you know, and how long it's going to take them to count. I mean, I think that ultimately we'll move to more of like a blockchain boast uh, blockchain-based uh, voting system, but also, you know, there's just going to be a lot more cynicism and skepticism of the process um, of the the system that it's set up to support. And I think in the long run, we're going to see a lot of changes in, in how governance is done, um, both at the micro level um, in kind of transactional type stuff, um, but also in in democratic processes. So I'm you know interested in how that conversation evolves with us here. Great. I'm not going to get into this right now, but I do think it's it's um, it's cool that you brought up the uh, blockchain based voting because this election will be the first one I think in which well I know for a fact that it'll be the first one in which the AP results are put on the blockchain. So uh, mm. AP is going to call, going to call the election, and as they call it, uh, they're going to be put on the Everpedia, Everpedia blockchain, um, mm. connected, connected with uh, Chainlink, Chainlink oracles, which is kind of cool. Right. Um, is is this the point at which I'm supposed to do a disclaimer and say <laughs> yeah. I owns I own some Chainlink? Uh, but that's that's a that's a pretty cool development, I, I think, for a. Um, uh, uh, technology adjacent podcast so we'll be seeing that that happen for the first time this year the the ap results will be put on the chain so we are saying we are saying that um donald trump's going to win by some margin in the electoral college and lose the popular vote okay we called it two days early all right so let's get on to our topic today which is yeah urbit urbit all right uh what is urbit we're going to talk about the we've got to talk about um some of the maybe some of the themes that we could talk about with uh, our guests in the future, but um, anyway, just basically, Urbit is a uh, what can we call it? A cloud native computer. It doesn't have to be cloud native, but I think that the the um, the fact that the the cloud is it can be kind of abstracted away now, and you can build technology on top of it. You can kind of think mm -hmm. of um, Urbit as a computer that uses uh, um, cloud technology to be a sort of on all the time uh, personal server. But I, I'm probably doing it a disservice by calling it that because it's it's just a personal server that um, is instead of an operating system, it's it's an operating function, and um, you can spin it up anywhere. It doesn't have to be on a cloud. It could be. Uh, I, I believe that you have done it on a MacBook. Is that right? Uh, yeah. When I when I first was uh, was running it, I had it on on my PC, um, and then, then I did move it to the cloud just for some stability reasons. Um, ultimately, I think I've got a uh, a, a Pine sixty four, uh, just you know, similar to a Raspberry Pi uh, for listeners that are familiar with that. It's sitting on my desk in Hong Kong. Uh, waiting for me uh, has been for a couple of months. I had it um, sent there when I expected to be arriving there in uh, August because uh, they ship from Shenzhen, right? So it was going to uh, take, I thought, too long to get to me here. But um, I'm very interested in that kind of uh, small computing um, opportunities that you can you can run it on a little bit of a, a machine on your own because ultimately the concept is very much based on on personal ownership. Um, 
And integrating that with the cloud certainly simplifies a lot of things, but uh, to the extent that you're enabled to do it um, on your own and have it uh, in a a stable way, that way is is pretty neat. Um, You know, I've seen, and and hopefully we can talk eventually to some of the people that are more active in these projects, uh, you know, there are ways to run it on your phone, for instance, um, and and have it portable in that way. But... um, yeah, I think it's uh, you know it's it. There's lots of different ways that you can do it, and I think that the thing that's most attractive about it, to me and and perhaps to you, is um, you know how it really is uh, very much personally customizable, and it will be even more so that way. And you know, fundamentally, you can think about it and value it in different ways. So, like you know, to me. Uh, more than just being a, uh, a personal server or anything um, that has long-term, you know, stability. It's it's more the ownership of your identity and uh, who you are and who you want to be. It's not like, um, you know, some of the other social media platforms, A, where you do not own your own data. That's, you know, a, a big part of it. Um, but also, you know, you, you are at their whim increasingly of both what you can say um, but also what, um, you know, the, the, whether they're even going to allow you to keep your identity permanently. Um, and it's, uh, you know, I, I certainly understand the concerns about people who use the platforms for harassment or whatever. Um, but, you know, the way that you can deal with that um, on their platform is kind of on, on a negative disempowering side. Um, whereas with Urbit over the long term, it's really about autonomy. And so, you know, if you do not want to deal with people or a sort of type of person, you know, you, you simply don't have to, you know, I mean, you will be able to just kind of um, edit it out and it's more than just muting or blocking or anything. You can really build your own uh, communities out of these address spaces. And, you know, some of what we're talking about may sound like Martian um, to, to listeners that aren't familiar with, with Urbit, but, um, I'm looking forward to exploring some of these more, um, so that we can, we can all, you know, see how this sort of technology, this kind of platform, uh, can evolve over the long term. Yep. So I, I guess actually I should say sort of, um, basically what it is, it is, um, I, I call it an operating function. And I think that for normies, uh, you know, like if, if I've got to explain this to my boomer dad, uh, it's a, you know, it, it is a computer, but it's a, a virtual one, I suppose. It's not a physical one. But the thing that, that gives it um, long-lasting identity is that it's, uh, there is actually a PKI, an, an identity system, um, that is on the blockchain. And when you, are, when you are given or when you buy address space on the network... Uh, that you know that uh, identity is given to you cryptographically, and you can keep mm. that uh, forever. So you could you could potentially give that to your you know your great great grandkids. They could still spin up their you know great great grandfather's computer in a couple hundred years or whatever. Not with not with any of your files probably, but but they could spin up the computer itself, which is uh, kind of cool. Right. It's 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 persistent in the extreme, you know, it's extreme, mm-hmm. extremely long lived persistence. Uh, it's yours. Nobody can separate your, separate you from your identity, which is what you hinted at with the, the Facebook thing. Uh, if Facebook doesn't like what I've got to say, they can sort of separate me from my digital identity. But that in um, urban terms is an impossibility because uh, the address space, 
when you get it, it represents an adult human, right? And um, these things are not separable from one another. The identity is is um, immutable in that way, I suppose. So uh, that's what it is. It's a computer that uh, you know will last forever. Um, you can run it on anything, potentially with uh, at least what is it two two gigs of memory. Uh, for now, yeah. For now, right? Um, anything that any, anything that that has two gigs of memory, you can run it on. So you can run it anywhere. Um, and communication with other orbits uh, right now is um, HTTP, uh, and that's because you know it's widely available and the technology is there. But it, it doesn't necessarily have to communicate with other orbits in that way. Um, so I guess what I'm saying here is this: it's it's kind of ruggedized in that way, so that you can. You can run it on anything and, and any communication. It can do anything that a computer can do, basically. Um, and some great things that, about it uh, in the future, for instance, it'll it'll uh, operate as a Bitcoin node. So Bitcoin transactions will be there and that will open up what I think is a sort of very fruitful avenue for for finance. We can For us talking about finance, but also for, for doing financial dealing on orbits. And there are some very interesting things about Urbit, for instance, that we're going to talk about in the future. So Urbit um, as land. So when you when you have a computer and you have uh, an address, it becomes, you know, if if um, if Bitcoin is digital money and Ethereum is digital contracts, Urbit is digital land. So you can build your, you know, your business empire or run your government off of one of these things. Uh, and we'll talk. Uh, some other things we'll talk about later are Urbit governance and um, like. Urbit as a personal server, so there are lots of lots of things that we could talk about. But if you think of it as a computer that kind of persists forever and um, a digital identity on a network that is you know inseparable from you, then you're sort of like at the threshold of understanding what Urbit is. At which point you should probably just buy one and you know jump in. Um, so anyway, shall we talk about how we got started? We got started to uh, yeah, absolutely. February or March of this year. Sometime no, right. so it, yeah, so it was March. I, I know. Um, so I was in China through the COVID stuff and got back to the U.S. February 29th. And it was, you know, maybe a week or two after that. Yeah, we got into it um, because I, I, I'm sure I can name drop him because he did it publicly. I'll, I'll name drop his Twitter, which is or his Urbit, which is um, Rabsef Bikram did a hmm. uh, did a, a giveaway, a planet giveaway. Like I don't know, twenty or fifty or something like that, uh, for a friend of his who was running a star, and we each got one. And at the time, I will say that uh, it was um, the Urbit network. Even nine months—I don't know what is that, eight, seven, eight months ago. Mm. Uh, even then, even then, it was uh, annoying. But we we had gotten we we got in right when they dropped OS one. So this was. Right. You weren't ha- you weren't having to just you know type to each other on a command line. They actually had OS one running, but um, there were a lot of stability issues uh, then, which I think are mostly ironed out now. So, for instance, my planet um, has been running uninterrupted for maybe three months now, or at least since yeah, probably about three months now. And um, I can go ahead, I can go ahead and say that we are involved. We we. We are involved with a star, right? I can say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh, our star, Sortug, has been running 
now uh, I don't even I don't even check up on it anymore. I don't right. I don't sort of sh I I don't ssh into the server that's running our star and haven't yeah for maybe four months now. I haven't even looked at it. It's so. What I'm saying is, seven or eight months ago, it was uh, you know every day some little tweaking yeah. had to be done. You had to you had to breach or something like that. And now stability is not to say that it doesn't happen. It's still sort of like what can we say a, a developer's beta you know version yeah. of of Urbit. So it's not yeah, for not really for the faint of yeah. It's not really for the for for people who have no technical skill at all. But I think right. most of us didn't didn't really have a tremendous amount of technical skill when we got started either. Some familiarity with yeah. Linux and a little bit of pro- programming skill, maybe like high school right. level, basically. Yeah, uh, programming skill. So that's how we got started. Um, we got some planets. We ran them on our own machines, and I actually ran. I think uh, I've I've claimed this a few times, and I may be lying, but no one has contradicted me. So I think that I have run the first Urbit on on the Chinese. Uh, inside the Great Firewall on the Chinese net. I think that yep. I'm the first one to do that, which which right now is not cool at all, but you know, in, in 20 years may be super cool. But, uh, right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so anyway, I, I ran, I, I, I set mine up on a Linux box uh, running okay. Ubuntu and um, on China Mobile. But the, the problem with that, the problem with that is that China blocks... For residential users, they block um, what is it? Uh, like port I, eighty I, I, or whatever. I'm, yeah, but I'm not super technical, so I can't I can't tell you exactly what's going on because obviously not every port eighty all over China is being blocked, you know. But right. uh, I think that you, if if you don't have permission, then your port eighty is blocked. So I could run it at home. Uh, the problem is that if I want to connect to my to my Urbit with my phone, so that I could you know, use right. the, use a phone that wouldn't work because it was because it was blocked. So and that, that's that's for them to prevent uh, hosting your own website or something like that right. out of your home. Right, 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 yeah. right, right, right. So no, no, there's no such thing as as a, a personal. You know, in the in the '90s, this was this was quite this was the thing to do if you were kind of a nerd. But um, that culture has never existed, as far as I know, in China. But anyway, it certainly mm-hmm. doesn't now. Uh, so residential people, residential. Um, uh, customers of internet in China do not host their own um, websites. What I could do is try to run it on um, Baidu. Baidu has a cloud service. I don't know what it's called. You mean something, I suppose. I'm not really sure. But it, anyway, they have their own. Uh, oh, it's uh, Ali. Ali oh, Cloud. I can't remember. Anyway. Ali, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Ali so Alipay. There's Ali Yun. Yeah, yeah. Ali Yun, that's right, yeah. So I could run on, one on, on Ali Yun, but, but uh, I haven't tried that yet. So what I actually did was I got a DigitalOcean droplet, so basically just a server in Singapore, which is where I run my... I, I run my planet on a, my personal server, but then we also have one for our Urbit Asia, which we haven't talked about yet. Those are the guys who sponsor our show but don't pay us. Yeah. So deadbeat. Can you can you tell us what is what is Urban Asia? What did we de- I suppose what we decided to do with ourselves? We spent. Yeah, money. I mean, I, I think. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> I you know I, I think that you know our hope certainly is um, you know to to bring the platform more to Asia, um, both you know to grow the 
user uh, user base there for personal use. Um, you know, as as it moves into more enterprises to um, become the kind of first stop uh, for the platform uh, in in the region um, and to evangelize for the technology there. Um, you know, maybe do some hosting or something. But you know, I, I think that you know, long term, just like Urbit, it's it's going to evolve. Um, and uh, you know, sort of see what what opportunities there are there are for the platform there. Yeah, I think that well, I, there are probably uh, several avenues that will go with that. But um, one thing that's very interesting to us is is um, I suppose looking at how Urbit functions as land. That's interesting. Also, you know, and building on top of that. So uh, another interesting avenue might be financial services, and I'd really love to talk to. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, Christian uh, Langalis, who the I don't know if you know who he is, but a few, few he's he got famous for I can't even remember what the hearing was a congressional hearing or something like that where he went in and um, held up a, a buy Bitcoin sign. No. So he became the he became the buy Bitcoin the the Bitcoin sign guy, and um, he but he he got hired at Talon, the company that that develops Urbit to um, develop, oh right develop Bitcoin uh, native, you know, native Bitcoin on Urbit basically. And so, okay. uh, and it won't be, it won't be just Bitcoin, but I think that that's his, that's his baby. That's his, his first thing. There will also be like blockchain right. stuff. You know, I remember that guy. I, I didn't, I didn't put two and two together. What, what it was uh, maybe like one of the, a federal reserve confirmation hearing or something like right, that. Right, right. Uh, okay. Yeah. Right. Well, uh, so that, you know, there's a, that, that's a possible avenue in the future as well. Other things that we could do, obviously, are planet sales, and there are a lot of people who are doing doing this as well, or at least a handful of people. And then there's um, planet hosting services. So these are these are also possible. We keep throwing that word planet out there, but when we say planet, right. we haven't really actually said what what that means. A planet and an orbit are the same thing. A planet is just sort of like the the third level in the network hierarchy. So planets are or planet is just the the name for a personal orbit server. Then there are stars, uh, so Urbit Asia owns a star, and uh, yeah. that stars are network infrastructure. And then the highest tier, or the highest level, is is a galaxy node. They all function the same way. It's just that each uh, each level has um, different responsibilities. So, for instance, stars do network infrastructure, and then galaxies are voting basically. So they they do governance, right? And the way that works, we'll, we'll actually have an opportunity to talk about urban governance in the future, which will be really cool because uh, the way that the governance works, it's set up as a republic. So stars are, are like senators and, uh, or sorry, um, galaxies are like senators and stars are like uh, representatives. And, you know, they're, they're basically pushing the, the network forward or, or, or directing development of the network through urban.org. So, yeah, I mean, we'll have the opportunity to talk about all those things at some point, which is really great. Okay, so um, we decided to go in on a star and start up um, Urbit Asia. And then, uh, and, and we are, you know, we're going to develop that along and along. But something happened in, gosh, what was it, late July or early September, which was, um, so... Planets, stars, galaxies, to, to sell them to people or to give them to people, you have to uh, create a contract on the Ethereum blockchain. So it's using Ethereum for the PKI, PKI right now. 
in the future, hopefully, Urbits will be sort of self-identifying. The system will be a, an Urbit native self-identifying situation because it would be great not to have to use, you know, mm. some the less the less third third party stuff we're using is, is the better, right? But uh, for now, it's using Ethereum, and sometime around, let's say, the end of end of July or beginning of September. DeFi really kicked off, the decentralized finance. Right. And uh, and boy, we're result, gonna have to do an episode on that. But but yeah, yeah right. Because we got into it a little bit ourselves. Because um, uh, I don't know, it's just so it's, it's such greed. an exciting thing. I suppose. Yeah, agreed. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, so we'll have to do a, a, an episode about that. But um, so, so the the Ethereum the the gas prices went through the roof for for sending um, planets, and that kind of like uh, I suppose put the kibosh on. On our plans to to be selling planets, that's that's one thing that happened. So yeah, we will actually we'll have to have an episode uh, or at least one episode about the decentralized finance thing, which is both mm-hmm. really f- which is fascinating, as you say, for more than one reason. Is that the whole story? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's 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 a lot in between there, but I I think that what you hit on is is totally true. Is that you know, uh, Talon and eventually others are consistently evolving everything, right? Right. I think you know, even if you compare to March, I mean, the the development pace has been very very rapid in a positive direction. Um, you know, it's it became much more usable even a month after we started uh, using it. Um, and that has has just gotten better and better. Um, so whether it's from their design team or back end or anything, um, it's it's just you know really kind of uh, getting closer to the the place where it's uh, it's very usable. So um, you know I, I think that we we'll just kind of have to keep uh, watching it and um, you know see where it, see where it goes. It's nice that you brought up um, beauty because one thing that I want to talk about very quickly, or at least say about Urba is that um, it is a visually beautiful experience for the user. And that is, well, obviously by design, they have a very good design team. And um, another thing that, that's something we'd like to talk about in the future, which is you know their sort of idea of um, the architecture, the, the, um, uh, the graphic design, the usability, and then also calm computing, which is um, this idea that, that your computer shouldn't be beeping at you and calling you and trying to get your attention all the time but rather it should be an object that you you know that you use when you want it right so uh that's that's another nice thing about um urbit that we'll eventually talk about i hope yeah so we have we have covered urbit in a very very overview sort of way yeah i mean i think each of these uh you know can explore so much more i mean whether it's from that that design um user level interface or any of those things like um you know bitcoin integration you know the the permanence of the machine all of that sort of technology side um can certainly explore more in depth and i i know that we will um i think that you know you've you've lined up a number of people that we can talk to um about that and um you know, adjacent things, though, too, that, uh, you know, I know are, are you know, very interesting to us, both, you know, in finance, lifestyle, um, Asia in general. So, yeah, we've, we've, we haven't even really scratched the surface of all the sort of stuff that we're into that is in the 
orbit of orbit. I'm not trying to make a pun there, but it, there are so many things that are that are um, sort of orbit adjacent for us, and we are orbit adjacent podcast. So I will say, you know, you can check us out. We have the stack dot link is the website. We have the Twitter account, so the stack dot link on Twitter, and we will continue to do this. We'll have people in to talk about Urbit. We're going to be talking about blockchain technology. We're going to be talking about books, uh, ideas, maybe even occasionally making political calls. So thank you for joining us. I'm Josh once again, and Andy for The Stack. Thank <laughs> you.